0: In our politically correct culture, sometimes even the most horrific abuses do not get talked about. One of those is the persecution of Christians in Islamic countries. We heard about the case of Azia Bibi, yes, but that was very few and far between. In fact, this persecution is going on on a daily basis and very few are willing to talk about it. There's a new book released by Casey Chalk through Sophia Press. This is a man who, yes, he's a great writer, but he's actually gone and spent time with the families and the victims themselves of this kind of persecution, and he's found in them great hope and inspiration for all of us as we are going through some persecution today and might in the near future experience such. We're going to talk to Casey Chalk. Stay tuned. <music> Casey Chalk, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, John Henry. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: All right, let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, very interesting, a a time of persecution, I think, uh, the whole wide world is feeling, but particularly our brothers and sisters are... Who are suffering in Muslim lands. It's not a topic that's spoken of very often. Sophia Press has dared to uh, publish your new book. So let's learn a little bit from you, first of all, about the scope of what's going on in Muslim lands.
1: The current news regarding the persecution of Christianity from All of the countries where there is a Muslim majority, and usually the countries have um, uh, Islam actually in their constitution and in their laws. So we're talking from uh, West Africa uh, through the Middle East, Pakistan um, and Iran, and then all the way into Southeast Asia, places like Malaysia and Indonesia. Um, A lot of these countries, not only are they explicitly uh, Muslim, but they uh, have various soft and hard ways that they Persecute and coerce Christian minority communities. So, for example, in Pakistan, which is the country I focus on the most in my book, uh, the blasphemy law would perhaps be the most egregious example of uh, persecution of Christians. Basically, the way that this is used often by Islamic hardliners is um, to uh, accuse Christian minorities uh, of having committed blasphemy against Islam, the Quran, um, uh, Muhammad. And, uh, and then they can be prosecuted under Pakistani law, and uh, the penalty can be as severe as death, um, which was the case for the um, uh, very famous Pakistani Catholic or Christian, um, Asia Bibi, um, who was actually on death row for several years before uh, there was enough international outrage regarding her case, including, uh, thanks be to God, Pope Benedict mentioning it Um from Rome, uh, that we were able to, uh, you know, get her out of Pakistan, and she has been since repatriated to Canada. Um, But like I said, the problem goes far beyond Pakistan. Um, And uh, yeah, Christians across the Muslim world are experiencing daily threats, um, just simply for living their faith.
0: Azia Bibi's case was very public, but it's one of so many cases but yet they're very rarely heard about maybe you can give us your take on on why that is
1: well i think some of it has to do with the nature of the media um, i think that a lot of journalists are not terribly religious themselves so uh, i think there's probably just a less sympathy natural sympathy for christians i think also there's a, I think there's a lack of understanding that in many parts of the world that are not majority christian that the christians are actually the ones who are um, in the minority and the ones uh, suffering under various governments, who you know would prefer that uh, that they go away, um, or at least that that they would they would like to use whatever authorities they have to uh, to uh, to oppress them in various ways. Um, so I think just the natural media environment that we have in the in the West and that you know, covers a lot of these stories internationally uh, is something that hurts us. So you, something pretty remarkable has to happen to even warrant international media attention, right? So it, oftentimes in the case of Pakistan or uh, what we saw with Iraq and Syria during the rise of the Islamic State several years ago is yeah, you, they have to see dead bodies in order to attract attention. But like I, like I explained in the persecuted, there are many other forms of um, uh, suffering that Christians are facing on a daily basis in Muslim countries.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the fascinating aspects of, uh, of your book is that you, you actually talk about a way out of this mess. And I think that's a lot, a lot of people want to know what can we do because we're seeing this, we've heard the stats about, and stats are pretty dry. I mean, the the fact that you actually go into the depths with actual victims themselves is beautiful, but, um, you know, we've heard this is going on. It's sort of remote for us all. We don't see it much on the news. Um, But everybody then does what 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 could we do about it anyway? What could possibly be done?
1: I would encourage all listeners and viewers to start with prayer. The more that we pray, the more that we align our hearts and minds with our Lord and our Lord's um, his own uh, desires and motivations. And uh, the persecution of the church is very dear to his heart. Um, he mentions it uh, a number of places in the Gospels. But what that also does is it helps us to start to inculcate a feeling of uh, of sympathy and a, and a yearning to see justice done, um, and uh, comfort and care and uh, the alleviation of of suffering for these persecuted Christians. Um, and uh, and and prayer really does work, uh, as I talk about in the persecuted. There are a number of uh, examples where. My family, uh, while we were living in Thailand, working with a lot of these um, persecuted Christians and these, fa- and these families who, I mean, they put Muslims and Ramadan and the fasts to shame in terms of the amount of uh, intercessory prayer um, and fasts that we are, they are willing to do. And, uh, and it works. They, I, I have, uh, as I explained in the story, we've seen some remarkable things happen with some of these Christians being able to get out of harm's way um, and being repatriated to the West. But um, beyond prayer, um, certainly financial support is always welcome. There are many international organizations that focus on the plight of um, persecuted Christian minorities in, in Muslim countries. The USCCB has uh, an entire uh, you know, arm dedicated to this, as does the Knights of Columbus. The Barnabas Fund is another one. It's not Catholic, uh, evangelical. Um, but the thing I love about the Barnabas Fund is that, uh, like, my, like my book, they provide a lot of stories about individual Christians and what they're encountering so that it makes it real Um, you know, for people living in the West uh, and brings it present to them.
0: People might wonder, how can this continue? A lot of people have spoken about this in the past. It's it's not so much now. And and it's become sort of politically incorrect, perhaps, to to speak about this. But, um, you know, we have had this in the past. We have had, uh, you know, even Pope Benedict call it out in a major way. Um, How can this just keep on going with no stop?
1: To some degree, I think that foreign policy uh, and the foreign policy objectives of the United States works against us. I mean, look at a, an example like Saudi Arabia, a major uh, U.S. ally, um, where it's, it's illegal to be a Christian, right? And if you were to try and convert to Christianity, um, you would be imprisoned if not executed. Um, and that's the case for many of these countries. Um, so I think, you know, as long as the West uses, the kid, uses kid gloves with many of these Muslim regimes, this is going to continue. And uh, I, th- I think some of that also just speaks to um, the nature of many of the most dominant strands of Islam in the world today. Um, in, in, uh, the Sa- in Saudi Arabia, it's Wahhabism. And the, they, uh, the Saudis have spent a lot of money funding madrasas around the world, not only in the Middle East, but even far-flung places like Thailand and Malaysia and Indonesia. Um, where, so this more extreme brand of Islam um, has become you know, very popular across the Muslim world. Um, and we see that even with Afghanistan, right? The Diobandi school that the, the Taliban practice is very much related to this extreme form uh, that we see with the Wahhabis in Saudi Arabia. So unfortunately, um, yeah, I, I think just the, the, the dominance of Islam and a lot of the foreign policy decisions the United States makes, you know, for energy reasons and security reasons and, and many other. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that it's, it, uh, it works against the safety and security of these vulnerable Christian populations
0: certainly does the amount of attention and and support which is given by the united states and other uh, so called civilized countries to uh, countries which are doing full on christian persecution is quite something and the the you know sort of uh, absolute superiority of economic interests or energy interests or whatever it's uh, it's an incredible thing um now, in terms of what you wanted to convey uh, with this book, with The Persecuted, what was your main message you wanted to get out? I
1: think sort of what you hinted at, John Henry, which is that, first off, I just want to raise awareness regarding this. One of the stories I talk about in The Persecuted is when uh, Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey, who uh, is a, a devout Catholic and a great advocate for persecuted uh, Christians around the world, um, when he raised this during a, uh, a, a subcommittee for, uh, for Congress, um, Ilhan Omar, which was all, she's also a member of that committee and a, a, a Muslim. She tried to turn the conversation to talk about the persecution of Muslims in the West. Which I mean, just there's just no comparison. Muslims are not being killed in the West. Muslims are not being threatened and uh, prohibited from worshiping. Um, so we need, you know, our representatives uh, and uh, and media to know more about these stories and to understand the severity of the problem. Beyond that, I, I want to bring relief to these, uh, to these communities. Thanks, thanks be to God that during um, the height of the Islamic State uh, in Syria and Iraq, I think there was a lot of attention that was given, even by secular mainstream media. And we saw the church in the West rise up and, uh, and send a lot of money uh, and prayers and, and various other f- forms of support to those vulnerable communities. Um, I'm very grateful for that. I would like to see more of it, especially um, with Pakistani Christians, because their stories, are, I, th- I think, are, uh, are so rarely told. Uh, like, you, you know, like you said, with uh, uh, Azia Bibi, like, I mean, that was that was a rarity to have that much international attention. So I would love to see, you know, uh, governments, media and in uh, our in our churches care more about these stories and, and take the appropriate steps to alleviate their suffering
0: it is very very telling this uh, ilan omar's comment about the you know the the persecution of muslims in the in the west um go into that if you will a little bit um yes we might see some kind of crazed action on the part of someone against a, a muslim or a mosque or whatever but what then is the difference uh, between that? Let's say uh, where rogue things do happen, uh, but uh, what's the difference between that and what you've seen in the Muslim countries, Saudi Arabia, and and others?
1: For example, in New Zealand, right when this uh, um, this extremist you know uh, shot a bunch of Muslims uh, at a mosque and, and killed a lot of people, terrible. Well, you saw the New Zealand government, all Western governments, immediately condemn it you saw all of the churches immediately condemn it, right? I mean, these are fringe actors that um, have, I mean, the only place that they're able to operate are on these weird, you know, uh, fringe websites. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the West is, has in a, in a coherent, um, unified voice condemned these violent acts. In Muslim lands, like in, you know, in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, this is just par for the course. This, Christians experience this every day. Um, it's, like I said, it's written into a lot of the laws. People cannot convert to Christianity. People... Are not allowed to spread their faith. Uh, it, it's it's very difficult, if not impossible, in many of these places, to build new churches or even renovate the ones they have. Um, and like I said, there's you know blasphemy laws on the books where uh, Christian extremists are able to leverage that in order to antagonize and threaten uh, Christian communities. And uh, and extremism is is a massive problem, often funded by these Muslim governments. Right, many of the Christians that have died uh, in places like Pakistan, have been killed by extremists who are educated and indoctrinated um, by Saudi-funded and uh, and other Gulf-state-funded religious clerics.
0: This is the thing. There's, There's like no comparison at all. And that then begs the question, where is the world outrage? And that is really what it comes down to. So you see this one sort of Rogue element uh, of something totally illegal prosecuted, the world stands up and condemns, and yet there, where it's formal, it's sometimes it's it's like government initiated. There's a veritable silence, and uh, that's really the incredible double standard.
1: It definitely is a double standard, like you mentioned, John Henry. It ha- a lot of it has to do with money, um, which you know, which is sad, and that I think that goes all the more to show that we need to be conscientious. You know, not only about uh, the active things that we can do to help um, alleviate the suffering of persecuted Christians, but also the things that we can do with our finances and where we throw our money, right? And I know that we're having a lot of good conversations at the national level about China, uh, another uh, a terrible example where there's persecution not only against Christians, but even Muslims with, uh, you know, vulnerable Uyghur populations in Xinjiang uh, province. And there are things that we can do, right? There are products we can buy and, uh, and not buy in order to demonstrate our, uh, our disfavor of, um, of regimes that, that, you know, are totalitarian and oppress Christian uh, minority communities.
0: The persecution is real. You've talked to the the victims, you've, you've uh, experienced their, you know, what their sufferings are and their lives, but yet you have described it as hope in their lives. And I think a lot of people, especially today, where it seems like there is pretty oppressive uh, um, things going on for a lot of Christians who are trying to live out their faith, who are saying perhaps that, you know, they don't agree with imposition of of all sorts of things that are going on nowadays. Um, How can we glean from those who are suffering in Muslim lands a kind of a hope and strength that they have?
1: So that was one of the things that was the most remarkable to me about um, developing close friendships with a lot of these Pakistani Christians who had experienced so much suffering from you know, being, um, being physically harassed and uh, being assaulted, um, having relatives who were abducted by Muslim extremists and forced to marry Muslim men, being set on fire, um, being shot at. I mean, terrible things. I mean, enough that they fled their country to try to you know, seek asylum in Thailand. And yet, in spite of it, um, some of the most gracious, charitable, hope-filled people I ever met. I mean, here I am, you know, I'm, I'm not a wealthy person, but, you know, in comparison to them living in Thailand, uh, a tremendous amount more wealth. You know, I can go out and eat dinner at night, that kind of thing, right? They're scraping by, eating rice and beans, and yet they would go through the trouble of making my wife and I meals and give them to us, right, as a, as a sign of thanks for, um, just for us advocating on their behalf. They are, they're incredibly hope-filled. That's the reason why they pray. us. the reason why they go to Mass every day, Beseeching our Lord um, to you know to, to solve their problems and, and help them is because they really do believe in the power and the grace of Christ. And in many cases, I've I've seen Christ come through victorious to help them. I meant one of the families in particular has been able; a number of them have been able to get visas and uh, repatriate to the Netherlands, where they're rebuilding their life, learning Dutch, and uh, and assimilating into a new culture um, and worshiping Christ freely, uh, you know, in in a, in a Catholic church. So. Their, their remarkable ability to have hope, even in the midst of so much more suffering, even than what we're experiencing in the United States, um, is, yeah, it's a great inspiration. They're, they truly are heroes. Some of them are martyrs, um, which should also be a, a great inspiration as, for us as well. But, uh, yeah, I want readers and listeners to understand that we really do have present-day heroes in the church that um, are refusing to bow down or, um, or reject Christ Um, for the sake of what he did for us on the cross. And that, yeah, it's a remarkable testimony.
0: Amazing. Casey Chalk, thank you for being with us. Your book, The Persecuted, everyone should pick it up. God bless you. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I very much appreciate it.
0: And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to LifeSiteNews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSight News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.